0: So there's recent research that says that parents still today, when they talk to their sons about money, will talk about sort of in a building wealth in an expansive way in a, and they talk to their daughters about saving, hoarding the money, protecting the money. And as we tend to grow up, uh, teen magazines, women magazines talk to us in an infantilizing and patronizing way.
2: What's up, Almost 30? Hello, almost Welcome 30. back.
1: It's us. Lindsay and I took a little breaky break from worky work. This is what we've been doing. We've been designating a sliver of time to go for a walk. Yep. Walks are life. Walks are life. I've been encouraged by many a psychic to take more a walk. Ooh. Mm-hmm. What would they
2: say? say? Move your fat (laughs) ass. Or no, they said move your flippers. Yeah. Oh my God. They're like, put your flippers in the ocean. (laughs) Um, No, just like Colette was saying that. She's like, take meetings, walking. You need to be walking. Move your lymph more. Yes. You know, because LA is
1: beautiful, but dude, no one walks. No one walks. It's
2: heartbreaking. Dude, my walk game in New York.
1: Yeah. I would actually like to see a before and after of like my... My butt, or so you know what I mean, like 100. just parts of your body where like walking really works. <laughs> I was at my very very slimmest in New York. Mm. We Dude, were I also get 17
2: doing like <laughs> 10, I know I was doing twenty soul cycles a day, literally. I'm like I was like oh, I was, like, I was like, living on like fifteen. Yeah, I was like drugs, fifteen quest bars a day, and then like fucking
1: twenty soul cycle classes. Yo, I used to heat up those quest bars. Like Yo, it was just... I was
2: talking about quest bars with
1: someone yeah. yesterday. I know. I remember us talking about it, and it
2: just was a huge part of my life when I was living in New York before they changed the recipe, dude. I used to you. You don't even know my bar game has been. Bars are my crib, and I would used to have six a day. What? Yeah, I know that's not normal. I'd love, to and I recognize that completely.
1: (laughs) All your feedback
2: uh, is valid. (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) If you're weirded
1: out, that's normal. Can you imagine the colon hydrotherapy tank as the shit falls through, and it's just like a wad of Quest bar?
2: (laughs) dude? I was like just. It was just like so. I was like, "Wow, high protein."
1: Or like, "Wow, nutrition is easy."
2: Yeah, yeah, literally. Literally, (laughs) nutrition tastes like a brownie. Totally. I used to heat it up.
1: Those cinnamon bun uh, bars. Too
2: too sugary for me. Cookies and cream was my shit. Oh, cookies and cream was good. Justin likes cinnamon roll. He was the first one that introduced me to um, uh, to Quest bars a long time ago when he first came to visit me in Chicago. Wow. The first weekend that we had sex. Wow. What was that like? (laughs) Well, just it was after six months of knowing each other, so it's the craziest he's thing he's like I've honest, ever heard. I know is not the craziest. Hole. He's like, yeah, it was crazy. actually don't. We were out that night, so yeah, fireworks. Basically, <laughs> Where you like? It was amazing. You are like, I am gonna let you do it. I know, literally. <laughs> I was like, it's time. <laughs> Close the door.
1: <laughs> oh, Got all horned up at the club. Yo, Headed nothing's home. better than getting horned up at the club because it's like it's like. Very um, performative, performative, but like you're not, you can't fuck in the club. Can't. Fuck so in it's the like club. you can do everything, but the dirty stuff in the club. But you can kind of like get oh. close to it. You can totally like touch the things. Totally. It was like <laughs> we swipey swipey,
2: which no longer exists. It was like three in the morning. Mm. I was like, all right, it's been six months. Do you? Like <laughs> I'm like, um, say yes or no. Yeah, honestly, I'm like. <laughs> what's going on here? (laughs) Right now, also in my water. So I have a water here at the table. This is a chemistry lab. I've got a lot of, yeah, I've got a lot of tinctures happening that I want to share with you guys. Sakara detox water, the one with chlorophyll and trace minerals. So the chlorophyll is great for your blood and then the trace minerals um, bind to toxins and really helps get you hydrated and helps you glowing. Mm -hmm. I've been putting that in my water and I really, really like it. Pressed juicery also has really good Mm. tinctures too. The B complex is amazing. It helps with energy, helps just like overall concentration and focus. They have a liver one and that one has ginger, nettle, green tea, jujube, milk thistle. So milk thistle is really good for um your uh liver. So I also have that in my water. Mm-hmm. And then I've been putting um Shanti Wellness hemp blend in there. So it's Shanti S H A N T I Wellness. And it's their hemp blend just in there just to be chill. But that's in my water right now. I've been really obsessed with tinctures in my water. Yeah. Not to change the subject
1: really quickly for me I just have having the... sex for the first time to my tinctures. But <laughs> that was purposeful. I didn't <laughs> 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 I just put that uh um that chlorophyll and trace minerals in my mouth without water. Don't do that. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
2: Justin said that too.
1: He's like, actually, but I'm like, Ooh, it's concentrated. Put it on my tongue. Get I know.
2: Water. I have to always dilute it. But I think tinctures actually, when talking about 2019 wellness trends, which we weren't, <laughs> um, but if we're talking about that now, I think that's going to be a huge trend.
1: I think so too. Yeah. Because it's more concentrated. People are like, I think the pill thing is great and will always be there. But I also think there's something ritualistic about tinctures and it's like your own little, I don't know. And the bioavailability
2: of everything. So it's like oftentimes in tincture form, vitamins or minerals are more bioavailable than in a pill form.
0: And I actually learned
2: you know, the other day I was at this thing that a lot of pills are made of gelatin, which is non-vegan. And then they're made of a lot of different materials that actually aren't as easily digested as we think. So the most easily digested thing to put your pills in is tapioca. Oh. So tapioca starch. So a lot of times, or some pills are and but, some pills aren't, but I just thought that was an interesting thing to note. Yeah. And now I kind of look for that. It's not like a differentiator or a deciding factor in my pills, but it's something I look for because that digests so much more easily. Yes.
1: I think there's like a vegetable something yes. or something like that too. Yes. Yeah. hmm Noted. What's this book?
2: Oh, I wanted to talk to you guys about this book I'm reading. Mm -hmm. Almost 30 Nation, gather round. (laughs) I'm going to tell you a little story. So I'm reading The Food Therapist by Shira Linkchowski. um, And she's actually coming on the podcast. Oh, I I DM'd her. Cool. She lives in LA. And I was drawn to it because it said The Food Therapist. And I've always wanted to get a food therapist. Because that's, you know, my goal. In the next couple months is to really have a deeper understanding of why I have the eating patterns that I do, you know the reward system I have with food, just patterning around eating and nutrition and nourishment of my body um, so I can make more intentional food choices all the time. And I'm really liking this book. So The Food Therapist is really, really good. And I thought you guys would also like it too. But there was one thing that I thought was very interesting I wanted to bring up on the podcast because it's been something I've been thinking about the relationship of the prefrontal cortex in our in relationship to food and making mm-hmm. decisions around food. So the prefrontal cortex is what she says Shira says it's the part of the brain that is the command central for self-awareness and willpower. Think of it as the control panel that helps you resist instantly gratifying behaviors in favor of bigger payoffs for your future self. So this is the mm-hmm. part of your brain that, you know, if you look at a piece of cake would be like, "Hey, let's think about you know, how you're going to feel tomorrow or maybe your wedding or, you know, whatever it is that you want in the long term rather than the short-term game of just enjoying it or, you know, just eating the cake. So the other parts of your brain would essentially be like, oh, let's do this It tastes good. We're thinking about the now. Yeah, Yeah, fuck Mm it. Um, So the prefrontal cortex would be the sage. It's uber reasonable and diplomat of the bunch. So the prefrontal cortex though is what helps you make conscious food choices and resist the urge to overeat or jump at every baked good that you see. And your prefrontal cortex is also helpful in decision-making in your everyday life. So when you wake up in the morning and you are thinking what to wear, what to make for breakfast, Mm -hmm. which route you want to take to work, um, what you want to order you know, from Amazon to send that email or not, or, you know, to have that conversation with a partner to go out with your friends this weekend. So a lot of the decision-making that you do in your life is reliant on the prefrontal cortex. So it can get tired and it can get overused. So oftentimes when people come home after a long day of work, when they've been making a lot of decisions, in and out of meetings, all of the things, their prefrontal cortex can be so tired that it causes them to grab whatever's closest to them, oh. eating an entire box of cereal, eating tons of crackers, eating six quest bars, you know whatever it is that you know you find yourself eating, it is because you' it's not that's not the full reason, but a lot of times that is the reason. so for me, I've thought about that as it relates to my food choices. And I definitely see that at the end of the day when I'm exhausted and you know we've been making tons of decisions or doing what we're doing. And my inclination will be kind of just like so tired and wanting the quick fix or wanting the, yeah. the treat. And my prefrontal cortex will be exhausted. So it's not helping me to mediate against making that bad decision. Wow. So you'll reach for whatever. I've thought about that too. And like what I've done to mediate that or help that has been using things like Thistle, my meal delivery, Sakara, my meal delivery. I actually use milk and eggs too. They'll send my avocados. They'll send my nut milks, my apples, whatever. And using those meal delivery services or Amazon Fresh or whatever you have can really help to you know alleviate against all the choices and all the options. Because right now, I can't imagine if I was to think about what to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner... It's a really, you know, it's a lot. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of times people get overwhelmed with the choices or whatever. And for me, I like variety, especially being plant based. So having these options really helps me to save my prefrontal cortex energy for making decisions as it relates to the business.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. Isn't that fascinating? I never thought about exhausting that pre- prefrontal cortex. And I'm sure it applies to like every aspect of your life, like where. You know, you're know you exhausted in making decisions and then either it's like kind of maybe an irrational reaction to something. It's yep. just like being less thoughtful yep. about everything you do. Wow.
2: There's a book called The Art of Choosing and then there's The Choice Paradox, I think. And those are really, really good books that talk about how we have so much options that can be anxiety-inducing mm-hmm. and stressful for our brain because we see... You know, like if you go to the grocery store and you're looking at toothpaste and you see 800 toothpastes, you know, you never feel like you got the best toothpaste. So it can always feel like everything's open-ended. So it can oftentimes be stressful. So figuring out ways in your life that you can mitigate against that, you know, is really thoughtful. And we even think about that with Netflix, you know, totally. every time you go to Netflix, you're like, I'm like what, what the F do I watch? Yes. There's
1: no more Fire Festival documentaries. What do I watch? It's almost like they need to organize it in a different way. You know, right now, because it's like new releases, comedy. And I'm like, okay, like, but what if I'm like in the mood for... You know what I mean? Just being a little bit more It's just specific. content,
2: content, content on yeah. everything. Yeah. But I thought that was interesting. So the book is The Food Therapist. Um, there's a pink cover and she's going to come on the podcast. But I thought that bit I about the that. prefrontal cortex was super fascinating. I've been really, really thinking about that. Like preserving mine so that I can have it mm. or helping... It by meditating more or helping it by slowing down or helping it by even just sounds weird, but like encouraging it, you know, mm, kind of thinking yeah. about it in my brain and like allowing it the opportunity to speak up or communicate.
1: I've done that with um, like shifting my relationship with alcohol because I still drink, but it's like, it's more, I'll always say, like, how do you want to feel tomorrow, you know, or if how do I want to feel tomorrow? And then that means instead of three glasses of wine, it's just one with the rest of the night water. It's like very, it's empowering. There's definitely a little bit of resistance, you know, like for whatever reason, it's like a different reason every time. But then once you settle into the decision, like you just realize that whatever resistance came up is pretty surface or it's just, it's rooted in like habit.
2: Mm Mm-hmm
1: you know, or yeah. or what other people are doing, which has nothing to do with your tomorrow, basically.
2: For sure. I have a hard time thinking about the tomorrow in my body eating life. It's very weird. Because yeah. I'm usually in my tomorrow in every other aspect of my life, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm 20 steps ahead in a good and bad way. So it's interesting that I could never be like, like people were like, oh, like, you know, when you are engaged, you're going to be like, oh, whatever. I'm like, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to like, Push me over the edge to be like, yes,
1: right. it's time.
2: Sixty days shred.
1: <laughs> don't care, but you know what I mean. <laughs> no, I mean, but you're not after the quick fix. It's really yeah, it's truth. going on a deeper level yeah, and I reprogramming fix the mind game. I don't even yeah. care about anything else. Yeah. Well, so much of like the quote unquote, it's like mental weight, you know, and like releasing that, like same thing, you know, when we were talking about our facials and things like that where like once you start to release and properly allow energy to come in and out then like acne goes away and weight goes away and you know whatever it is doesn't matter yeah it's so interesting wow he's love what a freaking good one. Oh, i want to i had a lot of people message me recently one a lot of people who i don't i don't think it's because of me but i just think it's the season it happens every year where people are like in the season of breaking up Mm -hmm. Or like kind of going back out into the dating world. Yeah. And it's like very daunting and overwhelming. Yeah, we've had some people in the community just talking about that and how it's been pretty difficult to, you know, almost like start over. And I feel that and just as kind of an update to the more conscious dating because I think... A lot of a lot of us can throw ourselves back into dating and just do what we've always done because that's what we know and that's what we're confident doing but I've been really trying to like get out of my comfort zone and not revert to like okay doing like just the drinks and like you know drinks no dinner just like very surface stuff by doing other things like activities or workouts or daytime things, whether it's coffee or... You know, even if it's just a sliver of their time, like on a lunch break, it's like, it's more fun to connect for me in the daylight, see them in that light, not after a long day of work, literally after a long day of exhausting their prefrontal cortex, and they're kind of, you know, not quite all there. And then drinking's involved. So I've really kind of steered away from that. And don't get me wrong, I do like going on dates where we can have a glass of wine and just like relax and all of that. But especially for the beginnings of it all, I'm. Really interested in like seeing people as themselves. Yeah, you know, am if I, I was a am myself?
2: App, I'm coffee meets bagel. Oh yeah, I was on that. I that's mm-hmm. that's me as a dating
1: app.
0: Yeah,
2: morning
1: meets carbs.
0: <laughs> Truly, <laughs> Do you know what I mean.
1: Truly, like, I'm, a, I'm a daytime. Catch me gal. at the Jewish deli. <laughs> Literally, catch me <laughs> never meeting you past seven p.m. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, it's actually really hard.
2: And it's interesting though, because I think it's good to question that because then they also do too. And Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of men maybe aren't interested in that as well, but they feel like they kind of have to fall into that paradigm of doing, you know, we meet for a drink and then we go to dinner, you know, just following that normal C dating path. So I think it's, I think it's really good and it gives them permission to do that too. Like, what yeah. are you actually interested in? Do you want to go on a hike? Do you want to go to a cooking class? Mm-hmm. Using this as an opportunity to find like something fun you both can do outside of that.
1: Yeah. One of the best dates I've ever been on was a cooking class.
2: Yeah. I think that was a good one. We oh, were talking about that, that the other day.
1: Just being in, Like, it's fun. Like, you know, when they are kind of go that extra mile and yes. plan something like that. And then also just communicating when I'm feeling like I want to say something and not... Playing the game, which I've had to kind of coach myself through every day because I, there's a part of me that doesn't want to get hurt or just look like a fool. The conversation is usually like, what is the worst thing that could happen if I just say to them that I want to see them? You know what I mean? Like, and how would I feel if someone said that to me? Like, even if I like them or not, like, I would be like, oh, wow, cool. Like, I, I like that. I like that. Honesty and just like that forwardness that it says confidence and yeah. And just making sure that everything I'm doing is coming from a place of just like authenticity to myself. Like, so I'm not doing things because I'm like, well, this is going to make him like me and this is going to make him trust me. And it's going to make him think that I'm going to be a great mother to his children. <laughs> I mean, me for my entire life, but really Same. not doing that.
2: I see that when I was like fucking 50
1: oh yeah <laughs> like huh you like baked him a ham he's no, like all right <laughs> i would like bacon shit <laughs> yo. i used to bake my boyfriend cookies and his roommates every week how pukey pukeville yo that's why i married someone but, else <laughs> but it's so funny like back then the dudes would be like
2: man she's the best
1: yeah you're the best girlfriend yeah,
2: she's let hear you you're like okay. I'm like next time cleaning your dorm room, honestly. But you lived for that, like I did too. Yeah. Like I lived for that.
1: Yeah, it was very weird. Hmm, whatever that, like approval, totally. But yeah, it also like I, I try to put myself in their position sometimes, which sometimes is good, sometimes is bad. But just seeing that as like a little, what are you doing? Take care of yourself. tell I mean, psh. <laughs> you know what I
2: mean. But also in a lot of situations, maybe they didn't see their parents you know?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I've been also thinking that's like the the last layer to it all where I'm really, one, going deep sooner. Meaning if I'm interested, I want to have deeper conversations sooner. It doesn't mean we have to talk about kids. It's like, what was your life like growing up? Like, what are your parents like? What do you love? What blights you up? You know, just knowing that so I can really understand, you know, especially how he was programmed growing up. Like, does... He have a mom, dad, like all that stuff. I'm laughing because like... <laughs> I'm doing it now.
2: No, no, no. I
1: know that too.
2: But I'm also laughing because like, girls are amazing. Do you know what I mean? Like, but
1: like, it also protects me. hundred From like, assuming that he's whatever. Like,
2: totally. How, I mean, it's just like the best questions. Like, I mean, I'm doing that shit too. It's just so funny. Like, how... I know. We find ways to be more compassionate and to be mm-hmm. more understanding in every in every sense you know, to give them the opportunity more by knowing them on a deeper level. And every time I think I've dated someone and my friends have dated someone, it is such a growing opportunity for men. Yo, like when you are conscious and you are asking those questions and you are like really going deep and like saying things to them they've never heard before or making them think about things and relationships in their life they've never heard before, it is powerful.
1: Oh, yeah. Powerful. Because they come back with similar deep questions and they're like, oh, this is okay to do. Okay, okay, okay. You know, like, yeah, like, oh, never You kind of see them like, because
2: you know, their boy, you and them and their boys are not mm, playing, you know, N64 and being like, hey, what do you think about your mom and dad's relationship? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, totally. That's beautiful. That's
1: beautiful, man. That's beautiful, dude. Sick. Sick. Still this do. is a perfect, perfect segue to our, to our guest. I'm sorry, Sally Krawcheck. I know, literally. I'm sorry,
2: <laughs> smartest, richest woman in the world. <laughs> yeah. Too bad she's like my girl.
1: She's awesome. She's I was awesome. So, I don't, I actually didn't know what I was expecting, to be completely honest. But Sally came over to the dude Eight thirty a.m. Truly on the damn job on time, like just looking like a million bucks and like so sweet, so down to hang and laugh and just like tell it how it is. And I just really appreciated her her energy.
2: I mean, she checks all the boxes. She's honest. She's funny. Like, yo, we were laughing. How and
1: her stories are crazy. Her, her stories are
2: crazy, and what she, honest, funny. She's changing the game with what she's doing. She's really thoughtful, and she's taken all of her learnings and applied it to something that is beneficial for all. Yeah,
1: um, she's the CEO and co-founder of Ella Vest. It's a digital financial advisor for women. Um, it was launched a few years ago. It's incredible and so helpful as we learn to navigate as at least i'm learning to navigate but prior to that she was the president of the global wealth and investment management division at bank of america which is major just like you know playing with the boys and like her whole career truly so many stories i can't wait for you guys to hear um
2: one of my favorite episodes
1: truly yeah
2: truly just runs the gamut like Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know that you guys have been asking for us to do more financial wellness episodes, you know, episodes about financial literacy and, you know, getting financially well in 2019. So glad to serve this to you and, you know, provide you with Elvest as a potential partner and someone you can invest your money in. I actually am going to mm-hmm. move, That's actually on my to-do list this weekend, moving all my finances over.
1: Yes. And I'm going to start. Yeah. Haven't started yet.
2: Got like 14 Beanie Babies. I'm going to see if I can. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Honestly. Literally. I'd be like, Dad, this Princess
2: Diana Bear is going to be worth millions of dollars.
1: Uh, all right. Well, if you love this episode and it resonates with you and you'd like to share it with your friends, anyone who could use it, please pass it along. That means so much to us and has helped us grow and it just means the world. So thank you. Thank you.
2: Yes. Austin event, March 26th. Diversity, inclusion, mm-hmm. and social consciousness with Rachel Rosen. It's going to be amazing. Love it at the refinery. Uh, tickets available on almost thirty podcast dot com. And then, um, if you are interested in starting a podcast, you can buy all the resources you need to start a podcast on yourpodcastpro.com. That's your podcastpro dot com. That's y o u r podcastpro dot Almost thirty podcasts on Instagram. Almost thirty podcasts on Facebook, and we love you. Love you. We are so happy to have you in the house today. The amazing Sally Krawcheck. She is changing the game for so many, for so many women. She is doing the work that we all need to do. Um, And you are such a cool, interesting human. And we are so thankful to have you to talk to Almost
0: 30 Nation. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
2: Oh, you crushed it on Trevor Noah last night.
1: (laughs) We were just talking here about
2: that. Trevor Noah. Cutest guy ever. <laughs> ever, oh, ever.
1: The
0: just so cutest, smartest. smart, nice. He is he as present mm-hmm. as he seems to be? And hands? What? I'm sorry. Like, yes, as pre- yeah, present. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like in the lips. Yeah, the this eyes. Is amazing. <laughs> Although I, I was unconscious the whole time. I really I don't remember a thing wow. until I got off stage. All I remember is before I went on, standing back there and saying, "Just don't blow it and don't be nervous." So I kept breathing in super mm, deeply. Yeah. And then it was over and I was walking down the hall. Uh, yeah, what did you do to prep? Like, what do you prep for stuff like that? I um, sat around, I didn't go in the office during the day and I sat in my no. apartment and was nervous all day. That's how I prep. <laughs> do literally Do they give you prep. things to prep for? Like, I, I no. never know with, with a type of, of, new, of media outlet like we that. We had a topic and okay. I had met Trevor before and we talked about diversity a bit and shared a few statistics. So we had the beginning of a topic. Uh, but they didn't feed me the questions. Was Great. the t- diversity topic something that was your idea? Was that his? Um, it was. It was his when we because yeah. we talked about it initially. He's like, "Hey, you got to come on the show." I'm like, "Oh, it, I guess. I mean, I, I, guess. I, yeah. I if I can find the time, I guess maybe. I don't know. Okay, whatever."
2: I would love to dig into the topic of diversity. You know. Um, it's something that we're kind of exploring more so on the show is, you know, becoming more financially well, but also mm. the topic of diversity and socioeconomic disparity between marginalized groups is really important too. So I'd love to These hear are
0: all interconnected, right? Every single one of them. I mean, the, the fact that, uh, we women are not making as much progress in business. We women are not getting as much money to fund our businesses leaves us with less power than the men. You know, which leads us to the Me Too, Times Up moment, which leads us to the backlash, part of which is Elevest. So, how can we help solve this problem of women having less money in different ways, rather than just asking for the raise one more time? You know, that doesn't come. Trying to take the seat of the table one more time, you know, that does, that may work for you, but doesn't work for other women. But you know, with with Elevest investing, is a choice that we can make getting ourselves into financial control wherever we are in terms of our compensation is a choice that we can make, which can make us more powerful.
1: Mm. And on Trevor Noah, you mentioned, or he mentioned like, oh, it's the right time to have this conversation. It Mm. seems like things are going in the right direction. (laughs) So can you give us a realistic
0: snapshot of actually why we're not as far as we could be? (laughs) No. You know, what's happening is we're talking about it a lot, And the media is talking about it a lot. And there are a lot of books about it. So it feels, and you know, we pointed out, oh, look at this female as a CEO and look at this Fortune Most Powerful Women's Conference. And we've done this profile. And so it feels like there's movement and there's energy around it. When in fact, the number of female CEOs in the Fortune 500 has declined by 25% over the past year. Right. It's a single digit number when, in fact, the gender pay gap is decades away from closing for white women, 100 plus years for black women and 200 plus years for Latina women. And it's barely budging. So we you know, this progress is just, you know, sort of hand waving and impressions as opposed to actual real progress. And frankly, I think we've been going around going about it the whole the wrong way to state the blindingly obvious. What do you think the right way would be? I think the right way is we have to come together. I think the, the wrong way is the, is the mass media, you go, girl, you got this. Here's how to ask for the raise. You know, strap on your confidence and walk on in there and don't take no for an answer. And that's it's a wonderful sense of, I personally own this. I've got this. And if I fail... It's my fault, and then I'll go back and I'll pick up the book, and I'm going to read the book again because I read something wrong, right? So it's massively, it has a sense of massive empowerment, but it doesn't work. I mean, it works for this woman, this woman, but overall, it hasn't worked. What works are one of two things. Either the CEO decides to do it, and he essentially overrules his vast middle management, which tends to fight diversity, not because they're bad people, but because, gosh, we all like to work with people like ourselves, right? or in your generation is doing this we women come together and say you know what senior management team what is the gender pay gap and you know what senior management team here's our women's diversity group and this you know three week family leave policy with no pay ain't working for us and you know what management team you just paid off a sexual harasser tens of millions of dollars we're we're walking out so the strength is in the numbers not in individual empowerment.
2: Mm. And what do you say to men that, you know, because this is oftentimes like the retort in these kind of conversations. And I've been looking for someone that's educated and eloquent Mm -hmm. on the topic. So, you know, if we give women um, the opportunity or if we have a pool of applicants and we are more likely to choose the women now because it will help us diversify the group, there are men that say that this is discrimination against the men if they are equally as qualified. What's your What's your response to that?
0: Oh, come on. I know. <laughs> come on. Oh, the poor white men. I know. But, you know, it's hard when you've had it so great for so long. You know, what does they say when you, you've had privilege? Equality feels like diminishment, mm. right? Mm-hmm. But what actually, wow. what the research tells us is not that the women or the people of color are less qualified than the white men when they get the job, they're more qualified. The research tells us that white men are promoted based on potential. Think about it. It's it's white men looking at white men saying, I can really imagine how he's going to do this job. That young fellow reminds me so much of myself. So I'm going to promote him. Whereas women and people of color are promoted based on their accomplishments. So the bar is higher. So that old, you, you know, your aunt, would come home from work and say, I feel like I have to work twice as hard to get, you know, to the same level. The research says she's right. And I'm not even now going to talk about once she gets home, she has to do all the housework and childcare.
1: Wow. Yeah, the bar is so much higher for women so and marginalized people. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine how that feels on a, in, a, in a one-on-one interview when that person in the room, the woman or the marginalized person is, knows that they're, White, male coworker did not get the same questions or had that bar at that same level. It must just feel, oh, like that would put me in such a deep, dark.
0: I don't know that she knows, right? Mm. Well, I don't know what you know what what yeah, we do so because yeah. we've been socialized again that this we have to be perfect. We own this, and so the reaction is not, this isn't fair, and you know, I'm going to go out and march. The reaction historically has been, "I'm gonna have to try harder. I better try harder. It's me, you know. I better put in the project sooner. I better what? And then eventually she'll drop out of the workforce. Eventually, when." John gets promoted and Steve gets promoted and Stuart gets promoted. Chad. You know, by the time Chad, I call him Todd. <laughs> yeah. By the time by the time they promote Todd, oh, yeah. like, you know Todd. what? I'm Todd not and getting Chad promoted. Are best friends. I actually would love to do a Todd study. They're in son. the same <laughs> frat.
2: Yeah, Norman's, Norman's great. Norm, We've known Norman for 20 years. I Todd's would, a fuck up, but he got the job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah honestly. He got a few DUIs and, you know, some white yeah, charges. He's a good guy, but he's a, a good,
0: good
2: guy. guy. <laughs> I grew up. <laughs> grew up Let's, have
0: yep. Let's have a beer. Let's have a
2: beer. Beer is good. So like. He's a fellow Pats fan. But here,
0: Here's. Oh, oh, don't even get me started. <laughs> but here, you know, I actually want to do a study of what is the amount of economic productivity that is lost in this country by women and people of color working for nice guys who are biased against them, but don't even really know it.
2: Oh, don't even. Wow. Make me fall out of my fucking chair. Wow. That's what I'm sitting here, too. It's like. I, as a white woman, it like fucking breaks my heart to think about someone of color, like, or like a diverse group that's not white working their asses off and not understanding that there's a bias against them that's like actually keeping them down and that it's just them Mm -hmm. and they're not working hard enough or they're not smart enough. That is like, it breaks my heart. And doing it alone. And, you know,
0: when I was y'all's age, Oh,
2: you're. Oh, I know. I'm crying. She's actually crying. I just, I'm, I'm I having love that. a few cry interviews where I've been crying because mm-hmm. it just hits me. Like I just, I really,
0: you know. And I'm not looking for anything from the audience here, but it really it breaks. That breaks my heart. I agree with you. You know, I completely agree with you. And you know, as a younger white woman entering the workforce, at least I could look around for a period of time and see me. Yeah. Now, when I got into my 30s and 40s, I you know. The the white women had left, but every step of the way, marginalized individuals are alone, and mm. you know it's tough to have shared experience with people who aren't having this the same going through the same things that you are. I'd
1: love What's to they? know about your experience. Like you said, you saw yourself when you first went into the workforce. In yeah, I just I kind of want to get 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 a well, here's uh, what happened. The fly on the wall. Like what was it? Well, like? it was
0: terrible. So, first of all, there were other white women around me when I started in, in on Wall Street in the late 1980s, mm. um, but it was still very tough. It was a free-for-all of, let's get the girls out of here. And so, I would come in and there'd be Xerox copies of male genitalia on my desk, Get which, the hell, hell out of here. I, it was, I tell you, it's sort of hard to figure out what it is when it's a Xerox copy because it's squished- <laughs> Dude, you're killing right? me. Right? It was squished. And I'm like, what is this? Somebody said to me a couple of months ago, did you ever figure out whose it was? I'm like, no, wow. obviously not. What and are I we going to do? Like, like, a, like a, what? a lineup? Wow.
1: It's horrible. And then, Christ. you know, one day
0: I was leaning over Where a desk. HR? There wasn't. Like, what was an HR? It really? was the 80s. Like, what was an HR? World but I remember Boston. leaning over a desk one day, helping a colleague with a spreadsheet and, you know, and hearing this uproarious laughter all around me what is going on? And there's a guy behind me pretending to have sex with me, right? So that was the environment. And I was not from an upper class family. My parents went way into debt to send myself and my three siblings to college Mm. and high school and all that stuff. So I couldn't afford to lose my job because I had a one-year lease in New York City, That if I got fired or quit, I didn't have a way to pay, and my parents didn't have a way to pay. So I had to keep going back in there. So I put my head down. I got to better jobs. I became a research analyst at Sanford Bernstein, which was a much better environment. But it was really interesting. Gloria Steinem talks about this for white women that, you know, in my 20s, I I definitely was like, you know, there's so many women around me. This feminism thing is sort of my mom's thing. And it's sort of ugly here, but we're going to. We're on our way. We're on our way. And then, you, in my 30s, you sort of go into this fugue state because you've got a couple kids, and you get married, and you get divorced, and one of the kids has a learning issue, and the cat's sick, and you get married again, and blah, blah blah blah. And then you're in your 40s, and the kids are teenagers, and you're running around, and and you look up when you get into your late 40s, and you say, "Where the hell are all the other women? March, march." So Gloria has said that um, white women are the only group that become more radical as they age because they go into the workforce thinking things are going to be fair and they come out the other side and realize how little progress has been made. And so you see women like me who are hitting this stage and saying, I just don't want it to be like this for y'all. And so I'm now playing for your generation and what I can individually do and what we as a group can do to make things better for you. Mm.
2: So what is it that made you be so brazen? Like, how have you become someone who could, you know, survive the sexual harassment in the workplace and kind of turn around and like make it something that's positive that's going to make change for others? You know, was it in your family
0: to be a questioner or where do, where is it's it? It's a great question. I love to joke. I went to an all girls middle school in Charleston, South Carolina. And was bullied like there was no with lens. tomorrow. No, I mean, bullied me right out of the school. And so with Wall Street, I'm like, bring it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> bring wow. It. You, can't, you can't do anything to me that Sally Connor didn't do in seventh grade. Bring yeah, it. There is, yeah. But it was also the, you're not going to run me out of here. And it was also sort of an underpinning of the recognition of, despite what was going on with the harassment of my privilege, that you know, I had some rough days. So you have been too kind to mention it, but I—I've been fired on the front page of the Wall Street Journal twice. Those are memorable days. Whoa, whoa! For the right reasons. I fought the good fight for the client and got fired for it for the mm. right reasons. But when you're on the front page, fired, there are two ways you can react. One is, mm. oh, shit. this is embarrassing. Honey, can you go buy up every copy of the Wall Street Journal? <laughs> Burn that. And thing. the <laughs> other, the other, quite frankly, is score front page, right? Mm, I'm doing something Mm. that's on the front page of the journal and then it's a recognition that if that's my worst day, it's better than most of the world's best day, right? Mm -hmm. So put me back in, coach, right? Because there's food on the table, the kids are healthy, we're not losing the apartment. Put me back in, coach, particularly because at this stage I was able to recognize I could take everything I had learned and gone through and suffered and turn it into a better world, a better company serving women that help your generation live better lives. So put me back in coach right now. How did men react to that? Like, I can imagine that. I mean,
1: that's again, brazen and like would be intimidating, intimidating to them. And the larger question is as a feminist, you know, as a woman, like, I remember when I was younger, like to be a feminist in where I'm from in a conservative town on the East Coast. It's like, oh, they're too much. It's just too much. Too what much. It's just too, too much. They're too, too, too loud. Much. You know, blah, blah blah blah. They don't they know the place. Men. It's like they, they hate okay. men. It's number Husband. one. Yeah, so they hate definitely. It's not attractive, was that like? yeah.
0: honey. Not a honey. Even my mother, my mother, whom uh, I adore. You know, Hillary Clinton is just too ambitious. Mom, <gasps> mom, have you met your daughter? Sweetie, you do it in an attractive way. Wow! <laughs> I love my mom, and she's of a generation. I know, but I'll tell I know, you, I when know. I decided to found Elvis, so I, you know, uh, you know, one morning putting on my mascara, ha- had one of these moments of holy shit, We women don't have as much money as the guys do. It is putting us at a real disadvantage. We can bang away on the pay gap, and so many people are not making too much progress yet, but banging away and it wait a minute, there's actually another gap that costs your listeners hundreds of thousands, some of them millions of dollars over the course of their lives. It's called the investing gap. M- women don't invest as much as men do, right? They leave more of their money in cash. The investing industry, i.e. Wall Street, has blamed women for it for forever. You're too risk averse. You need more financial education, you know none of which is true. In fact, what it is, is the industry... Financial advisors are 86% male. It's about beating and winning and alpha. And CNBC is ESPN, and the industry symbol is the bull. So it's a big old phallic symbol right there on Wall Street, Mm -hmm. a big old P right there on Wall Street. And so I, I look at this and say, wait a second. What if we start a company that actually goes, does deep research into what will motivate women to invest? And so to your point, what was the reaction? From some men it was amazing. In fact, our first funders, the first you know, money we outside money we raised to build the company came from Joe Mansueto at Morningstar, who mm. got it immediately. A fellow by the name of Mohammed El Arin is one of the great investors of our time. Um, Ajay Banga, who runs, who's the CEO of MasterCard, who's closed that gender pay gap, a real ally. Later on, Salesforce Ventures, Mark Benioff. I love Mark. Mark's the he best. Like you know, he my... introduced me to the Dalai Lama one time. I, mean, but I don't want well. to get distracted. <laughs> you know but Mark, these, I mean you're, wow. He's the best. The, these guys are the best. So there was some group who were like, we get it and more who are coming in in our next raise. We get it. Many, that's, aw. And, and today, I still get, I'll walk into a venture capitalist office and they will try to convince me that what we have built is not a superior product for women, not an innovative, high tech, sophisticated, but simple to use product for women. It's a marketing play. And that's sort of the way of patting the head, right? On marketing. Now, by the way, I think is pretty good. And, you know, our brand is now, you know, a third of women in this country are familiar with the brand. So we've, Done some pretty good things in marketing, but they sort of dismiss it with it. It's arts and crafts as marketing.
2: Wow. Cause there are a lot of companies now that are kind of taking advantage of the that and kind of, you know, playing to the feminist movement or like the female empowerment movement and marketing to it. But I've never thought of that Elvest does something like that. And I've never thought that a man would recognize that and kind of say that it's kind of like him looking in the mirror. So you've held these, se- okay, so the gender pay gap, and you've held these senior, senior, senior roles. So did you ever
0: realize that you were being paid less or like? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was in the, I could see it in the, you know, when you get to be senior, you they actually report it. So you could see it. It was right there in the proxy.
1: On oh. the desk with the dick pic.
0: <laughs> yeah, honestly. Well, that was earlier. To be honest, I just want to be completely fair. When I was senior, there were no dick pics. Okay, uh, that cool. okay great. Because I wouldn't have to, like, unlock and sneak into my yeah, office like, to hey, the dick Yeah, they're like, hey, let's take it easy <laughs> on her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she could fire me. Yeah, literally. Oh. <laughs> but it, so, did you, were you able to talk to the board? Like, what's the What's arena? The, uh, oh, like, no, right, it got this worse. Is like, no, 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 it got worse. So, So, first of all, I mentioned that I was fired. And uh, the first time I was fired, I was running Smith Barney and the City Private Bank. And I was working at City, And it was the financial crisis of 07-08. And we had sold products. Financial advisors had sold products to clients, which were supposed to be low risk. But as it turned out, there'd been a mistake, a well-meaning mistake. And whoops, this product that was supposed to lose like eight cents on the dollar lost a hundred, like everything. So I went to the new boss who would never look me in the eye. So I began to suspect maybe we weren't the BFFs and said, we should partially reimburse clients. Um, It went back and forth. He said, no, I said, yes. He said, no, it eventually went to the board where we got to debate it at the board. For your listeners, pro tip, you ever take on your boss at the board. You will lose your job. You may win the battle, but you will lose your job. So we actually reimbursed the clients and then they, they let me go. And, um, They'd been letting guys go because it was the crisis sort of all along the way. And the fella who was my peer, who they let go the month before me, they wrote him a check for, I'm, I want to be accurate. I can't quite remember. It was either $42 million or $43 million or $44 million. You get the point. And anyone want to guess the check they offered to write me? One million. Uh, zero. It would be zero million. She's got, uh, her mouth is, oh "Oh, my God. (laughs) And And they were able to do this because there were, it was at will employment. There were no contracts. They could just take it, take it or leave it. I'm like, "Mm." wow. Wow. That's the thing. That's, and I, this
2: is my problem with, you know, and I know that I'm just screwing myself in this situation, but I want to speak honestly is looking at the financial system and financial institutions. It's so disheartening to hear something like that because I'm like, oh, all y'all are just scratching each other's backs. Yeah, a lot of this mm-hmm. is scam. A lot of this is like really un- uh, dishonest practices, and a lot of it is like only benefiting the very high up. So it's hard for me to figure out, like, to invest in it and to be like, uh, you know, put money in, in investments and be a part of it. And I guess that's why L-Vest exists. Why we found an Elvestic, yeah. right?
0: Mm-hmm. Because look, when you, you have so much money being managed and you're earning fees off it, a lot of money can slosh around. You're one of these big companies, there's just a lot of money and these individuals make a lot of money. At Ellevest, because we are tech enabled, we're taking so many of the people out. So we're using technology to put together much more highly customized investment portfolios than a human brain can do at a much lower cost. So mm. these numbers may not seem big, but typically if you were to go to one of the big firms, to have your money managed, they would take a fee of, the stated fee would be maybe 1% of your assets, but with underlying investments, maybe two, two and a half percent. At Ellevest, our charge for our digital offering is a quarter of a percentage point, right? And again, that might not seem like that much of a difference, but it, you know, there's a the power of compounding year after year after year of having that money go back into your investments and earn money on money and earn money on money and earn money on money makes a huge difference over the course of your life. So that's why, you know, with Ellevest, we want to be, first of all, highly, highly gender aware, take the bias out of the investing algorithms because the ones run by the guys, unfortunately, kill you at an average age. What? Why does that matter, Sally? Well, for your retirement savings, if you if you're, live longer, you're screwed. Well, who lives longer? Women, mm. yeah. right? And if, if the algorithm projects you earn more than you're going to, you're screwed. Well, who earns less? Wow. Wow. Women. So who's screwed? Women. Wow. Right? So we've built a, we've taken the bias out of the investing algorithm, can do a much more highly customized portfolio at a much lower cost, right? So this is investing in Wall Street, you know, 2 and 3.0. So what what aspects of the algorithm are working in favor of females? All of it. You know, yeah. so there's as mentioned, the the we 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 know you're a female or a male. We're gender aware. So we kill you at the right time. <laughs> we have you earn based on what industry you're in, what part of the country you're in, what level of education you have. So there's a lot that goes in there to try to get a really accurate picture of Um, who you are and what your earnings power is. And then really important, a big difference for us, we found that we women aren't particularly motivated by, I want to invest to have more money. I mean, it sounds great, but what really is fantastic is I want to invest in order to buy that beach house in five years. I want to invest in order to have a baby. I want to invest in order to start my business. And so what the algorithm does, it's really great, is it takes in your information, it calculates what you can do, and it tells you you need to, Deposit $100 a week. You need to put in 10000 whatever it is. And we will get you to this goal. Our target is to get you this goal in the vast majority of markets, up markets and down. We perform super well during the market volatility of October, November, December. And sort of the twist, and it's subtle, is in order to have the highest returns, what do you do? Take on more risk. That means your portfolio bounces around. In order to reach your goal, what we do is we give you the least risk you need to reach it. Right? So we don't want to give you more risk than you have to do. We want to get you to what you want to achieve and hopefully give you a less bumpy road along the way. Wow.
2: What is it, I guess your for your personal life, you know, not to personal, but like for, you know,
1: like oh, your, an open book,
2: okay, yeah. Like your husband, you yeah. know, like when you are in these positions where you're having to be own the room, mm-hmm. be in your masculine, you kind of have to do, yeah. you know, running the show. What is it like when you
0: get yeah. home? Like, what is what is that relationship? Well, he's the best. best. So first of all, you know, this is the second husband, right? The first husband, what a big <laughs> <wedding. laughs> <laughs> fell apart pretty quickly there in the twenties. It wasn't even what was hilarious about it. We married right out of school, so oh, we're from the south. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Oh, I think like I. Basically, took off my graduation cap and put on the you know the bridal outfit, right? Pretty <laughs> much, <you> <laughs> pretty much. And um, we were we were pretty happy for a bit, and it was so crazy. Then I went to business school, and it was even it wasn't that I got more successful than him. It was the fact that I maybe could be. You know, like mm. anyway. So he had an affair with a friend of mine. Blah 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 blah. How blah. did you find out? He left my. Uh, I, was funny, I was talking about this the other day. He left my sister's wedding early. Oh. And when I went back, oh, and he said it was wow. work, and when I went back, um, our guest room, you're not going to believe this. Talk about, we're going deep now. Yeah. The, the guest room curtain was pulled back the wrong way. And there was a hair on the bed that wasn't mine. And so I'm thinking, it's the cat sitter, what? And kept forgetting to ask him if he was cheating. And <laughs> so then I remembered, and then he kept saying no, but I was like, why isn't he mad? What? He doesn't seem like, energized enough about it and so i asked him a third time and he's like oh you're gonna be mad and i'm like oh i'm mad oh, i'm mad so anyway we got divorced wow. it's all right i won because later um, <laughs> well i'll tell you why because later when i was running fifth Barney at city he worked at one of the parts of city that was much more junior yes Wow. So okay. Anyhow, so the second. Then he fired him. So then he got fired. <laughs> actually, actually, he left because he couldn't stand it, and then he went to another company, and my friend fired him. Ah, oh. I didn't oh. ask her to. It was a coincidence. Was he still with the girl? Oh, I think they're married. Oh. Did yeah. you have you wow. always
1: trusted your instinct in that way? Because women yeah. always know, and they always have an instinct. But I didn't. But, okay, you, you know, didn't I didn't it.
0: really okay. for a bit. Okay, um, it was just that one night. Anyway. Whatever, I burnt the clothes. Okay. (laughs) So, but the second, my husband, he's such a good egg and we just don't compete. Maybe part of it is he's a bit older than I am. And so we were at different stages of our career. But the whole thing was just go, 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 run faster, go faster. Right. He even went part time for a period when I was working super hard and traveling Mm -hmm. around the world. And then the cutest thing, when we would go when I was at City in senior leadership, we Sandy Weil would take the spouses. And so I would go to the business meeting and we'd all go off to California for XYZ or, you know, England or something. And I would go to the business meetings. And Gary would go to the museums with the, the female spouses. And <laughs> oh. they would come back with, like, the origami. Yeah, yeah literally. <laughs> it was so, has, like, a hat from the museum. So he's so with that.
2: He's like, oh, me and the girls got massages today. <laughs> I
0: mean, he a facial.
1: His skin would be glowing. Uh, wow. <laughs> you're like, must be nice. It was so, adorable. Honestly. It was, you, like, it was really down nice. like, How was your day? <laughs> oh. <laughs> was so Are funny. you able to, like just to follow up what Krista said, like, are you able to kind of slip into your feminine? Like when you come home, like, cause we, we feel very in our masculine most of the time. Oh, so yeah. it's always oh, a yeah. dance.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, facials, massages, yeah. yoga. Peloton. Oh. Really? Do you do it at home? So popular. Do, do it. Do it in the basement of the apartment building. Cool. That's awesome. Who's your favorite instructor? That really handsome guy with the muscles, obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> long hair, yeah. guy. Is it, it's probably Dennis. I like Dennis. Well, well. I, I am motivated by Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> what do you have to say? Um, Although I have to tell you, a couple weeks ago, I was I was um, I was riding, and one of the female instructors. Three quarters of the way through, right? And, you know, they overwork you. I should not be doing that exercise. And I'm just di- like pouring with sweat, thinking I'm going to vomit. And she looks straight in the camera and she said, I see you. I appreciate you. And I'm, I'm like, bah! no way. It was this really moving moment. Wow. wow. That's amazing. The cinema
1: of it all. Yeah. It's part of the appeal.
0: Um,
2: what do you say, I guess, you know, thinking about men that are listening. Like, how can they support this movement? How could they educate themselves on on this movement? Or like, what are some things that they need to know as these shifts and transitions happen?
0: Speak up. Uh, You know, I have any number of my male friends who are, yeah, go. And then they forward me an article. Look, you know, Meghan Markle is a feminist. Like, that's amazing. Maybe you could share it to your million Twitter followers too. Yeah. Right? So be here with us, you know, and support this. You know, the second thing I'd say is speak up at work as well. Become aware of these microaggressions, people talking over women, people taking credit for women's ideas, people not promoting women. You know, and I've even had this conversation with some of my closest friends, including my brother, of what are you saying when you're in a meeting with all the guys and one of them says, she's got great legs? What, what do you do? And the answer yeah. for most of these gentlemen historically is, you know, well, I don't, I don't join in, but I don't say, dude, that's a jerk thing to say, right? And so begin to use some of your political capital to help us move forward. And the reason you want to do it it's the right thing to do. The reason you want to do it is it makes businesses better to have more diversity in leadership and throughout the company. And the reason you want to do it is because you don't want anybody talking about your daughter's legs when she gets there, right? Just yeah. put her little cute, adorable face over that other woman and think about, do you want this for your daughter? And the answer is absolutely not. What do you
1: say, too, to men Um in, in this world that say, well, we you know, I want to hire a woman, but I can't find a qualified woman. Like I've I've oh, literally heard that from like my God. friends because I'm always at, I'm always curious. I'm like, who's in your office? Like I'm just curious. Mm. You know, it's so out of my world. Hello,
0: like, yeah. person brought up with bias. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. of course, what yeah. the right. Hello. It, it has to start somewhere like, you know, so so I'd say a couple of things, you know, it's either bias where you can't mm-hmm. see the qualification. Again, remember we talked about, uh, you know, you see the, the guys and you see their potential, but you're not able to project that potential upon a woman or person of color. Mm-hmm. So begin to question your assumptions, you know, maybe look at their qualifications side by side and you'll start to see, wait a minute, what you know, I thought it was lack of qualifications, maybe just lack of bragging about them or, you know, wow. putting them in my face all the time or stretching the whatever, right? So I think that's the sec- one thing. And the second thing is you got to question who your network is. You know, if you're leaving work and you're hanging out with all guys, then of course you don't know any qualified women. So you need to look at your network and make a real effort to have a diverse network and bring other people in with other skill sets. Go to, you know, conferences and don't sit with the guys, right? Go over introduce yourself to other people, but it has to be a conscious effort to broaden out who you're with. Mm. But do not, do not, do not tell me that I need to feel bad for guys who are nervous about the Me Too movement. And all these articles that are now coming out that say, I don't know if I can be alone with a woman because what? You know, what if I'm accused of something? That is the biggest pile of crud out there.
2: I yeah, like here. what? I- I'm trying to think about that because there is, you know, men that are like, well, you know, I'm scared to be alone with a woman. I'm scared to, you know, do like promote a woman. What is that? Like That what-
0: is, oh, thank God I have an excuse. Oh. Oh, what a relief! I and don't it's have just to a flip. I, yeah, thank yeah. God. It's putting out it of women again, right? Basically. Thank God, I have an excuse not to have to get out of my comfort zone because here it is. I'd love to, but y'all might accuse me of sexual harassment. We've been right? scared forever. Yeah. Hello, so and like, oh, now you're saying you're scared, dude? So true. <laughs> like of, no, of nothing. Shit, I don't want to be in that fucking room,
1: be, right? Yeah. What, you're afraid that your, your dick is going to find its way into me? Yeah, like, honestly. <laughs> I mean,
0: like, it's like a weird like, thing. You're like, okay. What do they say? Don't do anything you wouldn't do with The Rock. Mm. Right. If you would. i never heard that. I, well, if, you, like, you know. That I don't know. That classic quote. It's appropriate <laughs> to whip it out. Would <laughs> I whip it out if The Rock was here? No, I would not. All right. Not whipping it out. I see you, Sally. <laughs> I, you know, I got to tell you, I was in some senior positions and I never thought, you know what? I'm going to drop trial right this minute. this, uh, meeting. this uh, You uh, know what? That's what I'm going to do. You know, right I'm there, gonna right now. i stand my vagina. Ah, <laughs> uh, right now. Right now. <laughs> That's happening. That was college, dude. That actually. Was, that yeah. was college. <laughs> There's
2: actually a funnier die, and it has... Have you seen Handmaid's Tale? Oh, yeah. It switches oh, yeah. Handmaid's Tale, so the men are in so Handmaid's good. Tale. Oh, and it has, seeing. like, the women, like, smacking the men's ass. They're like, get back in there. Like, <laughs> they're, like, being so, like, aggressive to the men, and the men are like, ah! It is the most amazing thing to, like, see the roles reversed. It's like... Just like that. Uh, um, this is an interesting question that I don't know yeah. if we'll be able to answer. But so, a lot of the um benefits of hiring someone that's diverse, so a woman of color, um, or a woman, mm-hmm. or you know, someone that's just not a white person, a white man, ha- their benefits include things that are not as tangible or quantifiable. Would, you, would that? Would you say that's true? And is there a way that we are in
0: the future able to quantify those benefits? I think they've been quantified. So, well, you know, well, this person brings this characteristic, that characteristic. Yeah, there's some research about it. I think the more important research is what the outcome is. That when you have diverse leadership teams, companies have higher returns on equity, lower risk, greater innovation, greater client engagement, greater employee engagement. The power of diversity is so great that these diverse teams outperform higher IQ teams. That's what the research tells us. Mm. And then you, you, you try to go in, and actually in my book, Own It, I talk a little bit about, well, what do we think it is that in this case, women bring that's different, right? Well, we you know the research tells us it's more of a relationship orientation. We tend to bring more holistic thinking. We tend to be more risk aware. These aren't rules, but they, they're sort of rules of thumb. And so the power is if the guys are risk, taking, and the women are more a little risk-aware, that balances each other out, right? If the guys are, you know, let me make a decision, as gentlemen tend to, on fewer data points, women bringing in more data points sort of, you know, evens it out. The research is there, and it's there for big companies, and it's there for startups. You may have seen the research by First Round Capital that says that women-run startups have 63% better returns than male-run startups. Now, you want to guess the percent of venture capital dollars women get. 1%. It's three. So you were, you know, but it's sometimes it's four, sometimes it's two. So the research is there, but the research itself simply hasn't been compelling enough to change things. And I think in part it's because maybe the CEOs get it and they have a pronouncement. We will increase diversity and then middle management's like, yeah, I think I saw a piece of research once. I think at the town hall, the CEO said to increase diversity, and yeah, I'm going to hire Bob. Yeah. Right? Because mm-hmm. what do I want? You know, I, I want comfort. I want, you know, a workplace that is not way too challenging. I want to make my numbers, but without having to break a sweat. And Bob's my guy. Could
1: upper level management, you know, with a focus on more emotional intelligence, I'm just like thinking about emotional intelligence within the financial world and would it work? No.
0: Look, I'm at the point nothing works, Mm. right? I'm here. The next diversity committee doesn't work. (laughs) The mentoring programs don't work. The sponsorship programs don't work. You know, I don't think, why? Because they haven't worked. And so uh, we're not waiting for the pipeline doesn't work. That you know the pipeline has been full at the junior level since the '80s. Okay, what is the pipeline? Well, it's the you got to hire half half female and half male, and and with our new diversity and our you know sensitivity training and our unconscious bias training, all of it will work through. But nothing's working. What works is two things: the CEO just friggin' decides to do it, just decides to do it, and like. You know, Mark Benioff or an Ajay at MasterCard just closes the gender pay gaps mm. and takes no excuses and fires people who are not, you know, falling in line, makes it as big a business priority as, you know, selling the new product, right? And truly believes it, truly. I, and I've had to do that at Elevest where I've overruled. I mean, we started, right? We started, diversity's our thing. We're half female, we're 40% people of color. And I've had to overrule my managers who then want to hire that person like themselves. And I have to say your bias, you know, your subtle gender bias is showing I'm going to overrule you because that's just what has to happen. So I think it's they decide to do it or two, we get them from the bottom, right? You know, we, we come together and say, leadership team, you know, no, no, this, this family leave policy isn't good enough, right? We got to change. So it's either strength in numbers or strength of the individual. How have you
2: educated yourself? Like, what are some resources that you, you know, books you've been reading or places that you get your information to, you know, like when you talk about uncovering your cognitive biases, what have you done to do that?
0: Yeah. You know, it's been really a journey. It's been one piece of research on top of another. I think I started with Catalyst Research, you know, which is where um, I first started to learn about the, you know, the, the business case for diversity. It blew me away. I remember... Being at a conference, being in a meeting with the woman who ran Catalyst, and she started to talk about how, you know, as we just said, diverse teams outperform smarter teams. I'm like, I think I stopped her. I'm like, whoa, 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 we got to do that again. Talk to me, right? And then on top of that, Harvard Business Review, you know, you know, signing up on Twitter or whatever you use for your news to, you know, to see what's coming out of. It. And the irony is coming out of Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, you know, the World Bank, all these financial institutions that talk about the power of diversity, but then don't actually practice it as much themselves.
1: Mm. Wow! Just to switch gears a little bit, I, you have a son and a daughter, and a daughter so, and two cats. Oh, <laughs> raising feminist cats. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah. So what you know, like raising a son, yeah, yeah especially like. What is that like in in this time? And what is important to you to instill in him? And is it is it conversations or is it just modeling and doing what you do?
0: Well, it's bringing him in. You know, the, I'll never forget the mistake I made when a few years ago the um, documentary Misrepresentation came out, which is about the portrayal of women in mass media. And for the days before, telling my daughter, "It's coming out. We're watching it together." get your homework done early because on Tuesday night, eight o'clock, we're watching it together and she and I are right there on the sofa and Jonathan walks in the room and I'm like, I am such an effing idiot because I told her we were watching it and I didn't tell him or my husband. And happily, he was like, hey, what's going on? And brought the whole family in, right? And so as a mother you know, making sure you're having these conversations, not just with your daughter, but with your sons as well is super important. Mm. Can't wait. Yeah. And by the way, talk, you know, the the flip side, I would say, you know, one thing I don't want to leave here without talking about is talking to our kids about money the same way. So there's recent research that says that parents still today, when they talk to their sons about money, we'll talk about sort of in a building wealth in an expansive way in a you know, have money, have plenty sort of way. And they talk to their daughters about saving, right? Hoarding the money, protecting the money. And as we tend to grow up, uh, teen magazines, women magazines, talk to us in an infantilizing and patronizing way about money. I mean, think about media. Think about, you know, Carrie Bradshaw. And she bought too many shoes. She can't afford an apartment. Now, there's a whole generation who thinks they're Carrie Bradshaw, mm-hmm. right? That's what we all identified with. I mean, I you know, I probably was uh Miranda. I was more Samantha. <laughs> <laughs> I love
2: that.
1: <laughs> Nobody
0: was um
2: Miranda or Carrie, uh, Miranda. Samantha, Charlotte, 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 Charlotte. Nobody Charlotte, was Charlotte. No people were <laughs> but they, didn't they admit it. it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but think about that, right? Like, how dumb can you be? Yeah. yeah. And so the articles are all about, don't buy the latte, you know, save the money. None of it. If if on CNBC, Dylan Radigan turned to Jim Cramer and said, don't buy the latte, right? Or what's your money type? Are you a Harry or a Miranda? <laughs> and we didn't, never talk about diversified investment portfolios. And so... We grow up with a sense of money is not for us. We're sort of dumb about money. It belongs to the guys. Look, it's all the guys in the money industries, venture capital and and Wall Street. And so as we were talking about earlier, there's no amount of money you make that you would actually be willing to share with your friends. You are much more likely, much more likely to talk to your friends about sex than money, even though we started as a puritanical society. And women prefer to talk about their own death than money. So we have iced this desire in women, which I sort of say, if, we were, if the guys who we love, but still were to go back a hundred years ago and said, hmm, hmm, let's put together a plot to keep the women from being as powerful as they can be. What should we do? <gasps> I have an idea. Let's make money a source of shame for them. That's a great idea. And then when it's time for them to ask for a raise because they can't, never talk about it, Have no idea how much to ask for. It's amazing. Wow. We'll keep them from investing. Yeah, we'll make them feel ugly. Yeah, right. It's gonna be great. It will, you know, we'll make we'll sort of equate feminism, you know, with anti-money. Right. We'll make money tacky and unattractive and undesirable. Yeah, we do. And I can imagine too, like yes, like it, and
1: it's lived in each generation. So like my mom, my mom's mom, my mom's mom's mom. So it's almost like this really heavy burden to be able to flip and do something different. And then I also was thinking about like if someone's parents have a insecurity around money and they didn't learn themselves and they kind of had to figure it out and still to this day, they're kind of like, yeah, I'm just, I'm figuring it out still. Like for them to educate their children must be just such a a really like daunting for them and, and unable to do it. So, you know, even for parents and like- Like them know. recognizing their own shame.
0: Exactly. Yeah, which I don't know if they know, you know what I mean? Exactly. But it's so and they poor to who you are, right? Because mm-hmm. money is about power and in relationships, it's about power. Who, who has the money and who doesn't have the money? The only thing my parents fought about was money. My father had it, my stay-at-home mom did not. And it was, that was their power struggle. And we kids would hide <sighs> under the bed, and mm-hmm. dad would storm out, or mom would storm out, and so it became a very ugly, emotional thing mm-hmm. um, for so many. Yeah,
2: that's why I want money so I can escape.
0: Well, that's why <laughs> you know that I got to tell you that's part of why I went to Wall Street because sure. it's like you know what I want some money because wow. I don't want to be in a position of having to ask for it, of having less power, and so even in this terrific, and, and then the first marriage underscored it because. He, had the, he was keeping track of the money, you know, even though I was an investment banker, which is crazy, but gender roles. And after that lesson, it was like, all right, I adore my husband. We'll live every last day of our lives together, and we are keeping our investments separate. Mm-hmm. And women really should. I mean, even if, you know, nothing's was, ever going to happen in my marriage, mm-hmm. but if we are living as we are six to eight years longer than men, we had better have our retirement straight because we may love those guys and they may take care of us. It's hard to take care of a person when you're dead,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? They're called an individual retirement account for a reason. And so if you come to Ellevest for nothing, come to Ellevest for that mm-hmm. because there are too many, even, you know, my, my friends, their husbands are, some of them are dropping down their 50s. Wow. Oh, it's that testosterone. I know. Right? It's corrosive. Yeah. Honestly. The stress and it gives them heart attack. And the, right? Yes. And the toxic masculinity. They're so, like
2: resistant to, you know, doing healthy things or like, you know, doing yoga. It's like for females, stretchings for females, you know, it's almost like feminine to take care of yourself.
0: Oh my God. That's exactly right. You know, I, we Let's tell my, that. fuck y'all. Well, I, t- I know they've really <laughs> missed it. But, <laughs> like, but honestly, we say that if my husband were ever having have a massage, like, right? like the unwinding of oh, the stress would be heard. Across the world. Oh Isn't it God. funny
1: how they resist massages? Like, I can never God. imagine, like, my dad or, like, men in my life to get a massage. They'd be like, I, I don't want you touching me. Yeah. Honestly. But the other
0: joke is he'll come out looking like Hugh Jackman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they would all the stress has got actually, Hugh Jackman is in, is in his
1: body, which there would we be go. amazing. <laughs>
0: For um, our girls, so if we
2: have, I guess this is, like, very... Specific, but whatever, <laughs> I'm use my time. So, if we have money in different accounts like Fidelity, Vanguard, yeah. and then we want to move it to Elevest, would we
0: keep those in those and then move to Elevest? Or, or how would we ship exactly them on over? Go about moving ship money? them on over. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, we can, you can send, you know, you can open an account and fund it with cash that can come out of your checking account. You can roll over an IRA uh, or transfer an IRA or roll over a 401k from your old work. Um, or from your account at a Fidelity, you can send over those securities. Mm-hmm. So we try to make it easy for you to, to get in and easy for you, of course, when you need your money to, to get out as well. And this is all done online or through the app or is there? Um, That's right. Okay, great. Um, we have a client service team. Got it. Who is available and ready to help. Um, they, oh, they're so cool. They're Aww. so nice. They're such great people. Uh, but we keep it, I think, pretty intuitive and pretty easy. It's a pretty straightforward process. And then... You know the sophistication happens with the with the investing process as we invest differently for you than for you than for you, um, so it's a highly customized investment portfolio, which hopefully you sort of can set and forget because you know we'll let you know if you fall off track. right you' you know what? You're off track. You're not getting that beach house in four years because you didn't put in the deposit or the market crashed or right. more than we expected. Um, so it does give you a peace of mind because it's not just a lump of money going up and down. It's say this is how it should perform and this is how we're working to get there. Wow. And is it just, can you set it to kind of an automatic
2: pull from your, pull that's right. Yep. Something?
1: Yep. Okay. I've got a recurring
0: deposit. So okay. a certain amount, that's really that. for those mm-hmm. of your, so a couple of things, we have no minimum. We have no minimum. Love that. And that's this great. was important to me. And I cannot put in tell you, today. go for it. <laughs> we, we lose money on that. I, you know, the business loses money, but go for it. And this was important <laughs> to me because the, the, so, you know, if you actually step back, we can talk about all the ways Wall Street and investing is sexist because there's so many men, but, but one way it's sexist is with the account minimums, right? Wow. Because who are the folks sure. who have the $50,000 or the two hundred fifty dollars or the $5,000 needed to invest? It's the men. And so there's there's sexism built in. And so I said, forget that. You can invest as little as a penny. It's hard for me to give you a diversified investment portfolio to penny. With a dollar, I can do it. <laughs> and the emails I get from these young women, and my email address is out there all over the place. It's sally at LBS.com. And I'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning and I'll have an email from someone, first generation college, first paycheck. I just invested my first $10. I cried, right? Aww. And so- you know, what I would tell the young women and, and men out there is just, first of all, pay off your credit card debt, get yourself, mm-hmm. you know, build an emergency fund you want to have in your, in cash, one, two, build it up to three months of take on pay in case something bad happens. You want that nice and safe. And then from there, you want to invest 1% out of every paycheck, 2%, you know, build it up 10, 15%, and just have it automatically go into whether it's Elavest or someplace else, so that you're taking care of future you, right? You're, you know, it, it, what you can think about is every dollar you spend today is a dollar grandma doesn't have. Actually, because of the power of compounding, it's many dollars grandma doesn't have. And so, make sure to take care of badass grandma you some part out of every paycheck. Mm. Wow! Wow!
2: Okay. So they would go to LFS.com, sign it for an account, and then there's options there. Yep.
0: Based on now, what they another want to do. option, which is really cool, is what we call gender lens investing or impact investing. So what we hear from a lot of women is just as in their jobs, hey, I've got this job and it's interesting, and the impact I'm having is, right? The good I'm doing for the world in my job is. So in their investments, Wait. is my investment doing any good? Or is it funding gun manufacturers? Right? Wow. Right? Mm. And, and so I would say that every dollar you have in the bank, every dollar you invest, every dollar you spend has an impact. Is it the impact you want it to have? And so at Elevest, we have the option, as you go through the process of investing in women's businesses, investing in the environment, investing in social causes, you check it. And, you know, wow. the returns, you know, historically, financial advisors is, oh, you have to give up returns for it. I think that that research is way outdated. 84% of women today want to at least learn about investing for impact. Something like 4% of the financial advisors even talk to them about it. And most of them are like, you have to give up return, which is wrong. right? Wow. So we provide that option. And for those who are like, "What? invest in women-owned businesses, that feels sort of weird to me. I don't know. I'll have to think about it. I'm not sure. I would say you're investing in... Agenda, right now you're just investing all in men, mm-hmm. right? And so this is a conscious way of using your dollars to sort of tilt the playing field.
1: And at. like money is energy, and so to oh. like put it in in that way, like I can imagine. Obviously, no research is being done on this because it's a little woo woo. But it's like I can imagine that the return on that, not only financially, but just karmically, oh. is something that happens. So I love that aspect,
0: and we have LVest. to right that. The guys have been, had got this a long time ago. Our brothers got this. Invest in each other, promote each other, talk each other up, right? We didn't get this. And so just beginning to move this needle a little bit with, you know, these $7 trillion of investable assets we women control is a means to changing, you know, changing the playing field. Whoa incredible.
2: Wow. This has been...
0: Sally, you're the yeah, best. Yeah, this has
2: been amazing. <laughs> I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this and for you guys to check out Lvest. So
0: yeah. where can people connect with you? Yep. So come on over to Lvest, E-L-L-E-V-E-S-T dot mm-hmm. com. Email me, Sally, S-A-L-L-I-E at Ellevest dot com. It comes... Dr- I promise you directly Be to here. <laughs> like,
1: 3 a.m.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, it was really sweet because the other... D- The other week, I wrote about my insomnia, which I get this time of year, which is why I'm really happy to be in LA with you right now because New York is insomnia city. And I wrote about it. It was the greatest thing because the next night, in come these emails from women. Are you awake? (laughs) (laughs) I'm awake. Are you
2: awake? I'm like, I'm awake too. Oh my
0: God. Amazing. Wow.
1: Um, Well, thank you. Thank you, This is a conversation that we've been wanting to have and um, we'll continue in the secret Facebook group where we have tens of thousands of women so mm-hmm. it's exciting to be able to bring this to them and we're just so grateful and hopefully when we're in New York in October we'll be able to connect with Come you Come on, again by. Yeah. we'd love to have you yeah we'd
2: love, love to you. hang out at your house for dinner okay Bye. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> great yeah, Gary, uh, yeah. we'll watch the documentary <laughs> <laughs> alright guys we love you so much we will see you later love you bye, bye. <laughs> Sally for Prez Sally
1: for Prez what a cool chick. S-A-L-L-I-E, which is badass. Badass.
2: <laughs> I'm feeling it. She's so cool. Thanks for coming on. Us right after Trevor Noah. Feels appropriate, man.
1: What I would do to come out, make out with Trevor to Noah. To be her
2: PR girl that day.
1: Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Hanging out in the back. He is so fine, so funny, so smart. Stimples. Everything. I no. And he
2: cares. Ugh.
1: All right, back to Sally. Sorry. Oh, wow. <laughs> Where am I? Um, thank you, Sally.
2: All right. Review of the week. Thanks so much for writing reviews. It helps us bring on amazing guests like Sally. And if this podcast has in any way impacted your life,
1: taking two seconds to give us a five-star review
2: would mean a lot
1: truly and we share them cuz we just want to shout you out and yeah. thank you.
2: You guys DM us when we do and you're like, "Oh my god, you read my review." I know. And it's it's really cuz we just want to thank you and it means a lot.
1: Truly. Love, love, love. Five stars. Not only are Krista and Lindsay hilarious women who I could see myself hanging out with in real life, but the community that is built up around the Almost 30 podcast is incredible. I don't have many real life female friends who I can talk about anything with or go to for advice on anything, but I have never been made to feel uncomfortable or weird about anything I've ever posted. Thank you both for creating such an amazing community. That's from Ellie. Oh, I love the name Ellie. So cute. It's a cute name. That's such a great name. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you all for your support. As always, we read every DM. We are very active in our secret Facebook group. So if you haven't joined the group yet, please join. We are in there listening to you. It's really the pulse where we kind of get your feedback. We talk about things related to the pod, not related to the pod, and just a really great way to support one another because I can't do this thing alone. So thank you so, so much.
2: Yes. Almost 30 Podcasts on Instagram. Give us a follow. Thanks for sharing these episodes and your stories. Um, we always reshare them during the week. So that means a lot that you are sharing these messages with your community. Your Podcast Pro, podcastpro dot com. if you want to start a podcast. I know all of you guys are... I know Not all of you, but so many people DM us and message us about starting a podcast. So we have every single resource that you need on that website. Yeah. All right, y'all. Hope you have a great
1: rest of your week. Yeah, I hope you have a great day. <laughs> a great life. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> See you never.
2: <laughs> Later. Love you.